Hey, Horizon. Well, it's here. We finally made it. Week 15. We finally are finishing up Revelation. Now, that we haven't done this really before. Come at you midweek with uh, service. But uh, it's important. I, I really did want to finish up the book of Revelation. Now, understand we could have spent 30 weeks, 60 weeks going through the book of Revelation because there's so much there. And my hope is that this has literally not just informed you, but changed you. That how you approach things, how you look at things, how you view end times, how you view heaven, how you view hell, all these things that come to mind as far as will this change us in our actions and how we live daily or not. And so as we wrap up 21, there are notes online. Uh, some have already requested to be sent to you. So they will be there in the mail, but encourage you to download the notes. There's other verses to look up that we won't have time to go through. But let's, let's start off this with a word of prayer. Father, I pray as we go through Revelation 22. Lord, you'll encourage us. You'll give us hope for what is coming. And you'll inspire us to do something about that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Forrest Gump went to heaven. He finally died. He ate all the box of chocolates. And he got up to the pearly gates. And he was, there was St. Peter greeting him. He says, hey, Forrest, it's good to see you. Glad that you're here. But we have to let you know we did add an entrance exam because heaven's filling up pretty quick. And so you have to answer three questions. And, you know, Forrest says, you know, sir, uh, Life was pretty difficult for me down there. I hope it's not too hard. Now, the three simple questions is, is this. How many days of the week start with the letter T? How many seconds are there in a year? And lastly, what is God's name? And so Forrest went off, thought about it for a while, and came back. Says, I'm, I, I, I'm ready. He says, so... How many days of the week start with the letter T? He says, well, that was easy. Today and tomorrow. That's not what we were exactly looking for, and I, I guess I wasn't too specific, but we'll let that go. All right, the second question is, how many seconds are in a year? I, I had to think a lot about that, and it's 12. 12? Yeah, absolutely 12. There's January 2nd and February 2nd and March 2nd. People, okay, okay, okay. That's the, let's go to the third question. What is God's name? Oh, that one was the easiest. It's Andy. Andy? Where'd you get Andy? Uh, from the song I learned in church, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. Well, Peter said, Forrest, come on in. Run, Forrest, run. Well, luckily enough, we will not have an entrance exam when we get to heaven, because if we're standing in heaven, that means we already answered the only question that's important, is who's Jesus Christ in your life? Chapter 22, right after chapter 21, talking about the new, the new Jerusalem, the city that is awaiting those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, is there. And as we've talked about this, we, we've talked about many things. To understand, when earth was first created, Adam and Eve, it was a perfect place. It was the place of how man was to live forever. 
but sin was introduced and all the security, all the things of working hard and labor, the sin nature, the curse was there. And all of a sudden, heaven was now someplace that was going to be later on after we die that we could have if, again, we were standing, right standing with God. Now, there are a lot of um, different beliefs, religions, that have a view of, uh, of heaven. And in your notes, there's just a t- try to come up with this is you've got the Buddhists, the Hindus, the new age movement, their idea of heaven is that you're basically going to be rec- re- you know, put in again. You're just going to go over recycled, 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 which is, seems like a spinning wheel. I mean, I guess you recycle until you get it right. You've got the Taoist who really believe you're in nothingness. There's nothing. You've got the Muslims who believe that if they live a certain way, they'll be rewarded carnally in heaven. You know, the whole 91 virgins type thing. But that sounds a little bit more like Las Vegas than it does heaven. And even the Mormons, their view of heaven is that you become God and your wives, all your wives become goddesses. And you go and create earth somewhere and you create your own universe. You can do your own Star Wars if you want. That's not what the Bible says. And even some of our beliefs, even though those beliefs are not what Scripture talks about, some of our own beliefs is, is way off. I mean, from the standpoint of, hey, we're going to be flying around, floating through clouds, playing harps, big wings, visiting planets, skiing, ultimate golf, and all those kind of things, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. What the Bible does talk about is that there's no disease, there's no darkness, there's no weeping. There's worship, and we serve, and we are with God forever. So let's dive in. If you got your Bible, smartphone devices, Revelations 22. Let's start in verse 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and its leaves leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. <clears throat> now, the water of life is the only place it's mentioned is in the book of Revelation. And it's only mentioned in chapter 21, chapter 22. So this river, we call river of life, water of life, it's crystal, it's flowing, it's flanked by trees, and you would drink from it, and it's offered to those who are thirsty. But then it talks about the tree of life. The first time we saw the tree of life was way back in Genesis again. Remember, there were two trees that were specifically named in the garden. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of man's sin, they were kicked out of the garden. An angel was put in place to guard, a cherubim was to guard that. And even after the flood, God transplanted that tree, and now it is in heaven. And when it says here that it's running on both sides of the river, whether some believe it could be several trees of life, some believe it's just one huge gigantic tree of life with its branches touching the ground. Uh, But whatever this tree is, it has fruit, and it says it has fruit for every month, which, guys, we don't see that here. I mean... California just experienced the world's largest pollination event in in the entire world is in California, almonds. It's the world's largest pollination. Some of you with hay fever know exactly what I'm talking about. So we know that 
one time a year the fruit comes and the cherries are blossoming, the almonds are blossoming, all the fruit trees are, hello, we're here, we're getting ready to produce fruit. This tree, every month, it's fruit. And there is eating, guys. Again, in your notes, there's angels ate with Abraham. Jesus ate with the disciples. And we've talked about that feast that is going to be awaiting us. Isaiah 25, 6 says, On the mountain the Lord will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats, and the finest of wines. Vegetarians, you're, you're, you're out of luck here because the meat is going to be served up. Probably a little bit of those oysters too. I don't know. They're pretty big oysters we talked about last week. Saints in heaven will eat, but not out of necessity out of pure pleasure. Now, honestly, I take a lot of pleasure in eating. I make sure I enjoy my food. I mean, there's sometimes I just got to cram something down. But man, when you get a chef, when you get somebody who knows what they're doing, you can just taste it and just the, the envelopment of your, your taste buds and the beauty of the smells. That is, we're just going to eat, not because we need it, just because we can and we enjoy it, and no body images. You gotta worry not, nothing about gaining weight. No, I, I've already, I've only had one dessert. No, bring four more. I mean, we don't have to worry about. Thank God in heaven. And then it says the the leaves on the trees are the, for the healing of the nations, which begs the question: Is why would there need to be healing for the nations if there is no curse, there is no sin? The leaves promote enjoyment this is what one commentator said of life in the new jerusalem and for the the correcting ills which do they're not for correcting ills which do not exist that and when we're reading this guys we have to realize there's a mystery of this how can there be a tree that 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 gives fruit all year long that, that, that doesn't happen here because these things we can't connect with because we don't see them here i can see a river i can see a tree but to see a tree that's producing 12 12 months out of the year and besides that god's not connected to time and so he's not bound by those like we are down here verse 3 of chapter 22 says no longer will there be any curse thank god for that all right, the curse fell on Adam and Eve, fell on the serpent. And the curse of labor pains, the curse of working and toiling, the, 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 the curse of friction between the sexes, just death itself, no more. That's gone. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. That's you and me. And they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will be not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will be the, will be them the light, and they will reign for Him forever and ever. Now, if you ever wonder what we're going to be doing in heaven, there's two of them here. We're going to serve Him in heaven, and we're going to reign with Him in heaven, and that's where those terms and in your notes, there's plenty of places to look up where we are called kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of kingdom of priests, those who are going to reign and those who are going to serve because, guys, we will be worshiping. We will be the priests of heaven. And so our actions will be serving. And even when it says the name will be on their foreheads, this is an allusion back, and in your notes you can look up Exodus 28, where it's an allusion back to that where Aaron 
had his turban and he had something engraved on his head that w- that labeled him that he is the high priest. He is the one whose job it is, and that will be on all of us because every single one of us who've been saved by the grace of God are entering in that priesthood. We've already entered technically into that priesthood. We will serve in that priesthood in heaven. And I love this part where it says, we will see him face to face. Moses in Exodus, you can look those up in your notes. He had one request. He wanted to see the face of God. When he asked him, hey, is the presence going with it? He says, I want to see the face of God. And God told him, no one can see my face and live. Someday we're going to see him as he is face to face. And here's the deal. Guys, we, we see in a fog. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. We see in a fog. We're, we're kind of looking at a reflection in a mirror. We cannot see things clearly. But someday, we'll see things just the way they're supposed to be. And God himself. Verse 6. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Some of your translations might say they're faithful and true. Because there was such a wide rejection, guys, of truth. I mean, that's what Paul kept telling Timothy. Over and over, Paul kept telling Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceptive spirits and things taught by demons. And this whole thing that, you know, there's going to be this time where they're going to come at us, they're going to come, and they're not going to believe that. They're going to believe, they would rather hear that, have their ears tickled. Guys, that's happening today. You know, we think, well, there's going to be this great evangelistic effort and people are going to come to know Jesus in drawers, droves. According to the Scripture, there's going to be abandoning of the faith. It's not that people won't come to Christ. It's that those who claim to know Christ will be abandoning their faith. They'll be leaving the church. They'll be buying in to the world system. Um, we need to hear this because you know, the thought of what John is describing is so hard for us to grasp that all these events that we need to hear it over and read it over and over again for us to get a grasp ourselves so that we can communicate that to others. Verse 7. Behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This coming soon said three times in, in just this chapter alone. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. It doesn't mean set your watch. It means it's going to be sudden. It's going to be when you least expect it. And when it says blessed are those throughout the whole book of Revelation, they, you know, as many authors have said, there are seven beatitudes. Jesus had eight beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount found in, found in Matthew. Here there are seven Beatitudes, and you notes they're listed. And I want to encourage you to go through that. And what are the seven Beatitudes that, that are talked about in the book of Revelation? But here it is listed just, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of the book. Remember, this is the only book. It starts off with a blessing. If you read this, if you hear this, you are having a blessing. Now at the end of the book, you're blessed if you apply this. That's back to, it's not just to inform us, it is to change us. Verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard, excuse me, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship 
as at, at the feet of the angel. Now, he's done this before. And again, the angel says, hey, get up. You're not supposed to worship me. You're supposed to worship God alone. And, and here's the deal. Guys, we are meant to worship something. If you don't worship God, you're going to worship something, whether it's a team, whether it's your car, whether it's your family, whether it's your job. It's in us to worship. But the only true worship is to be meant to God or God alone. Not angels, not saints, not, not, not people who have gone before us. We don't worship them. We don't talk to them. We don't pray to them. There's only one person, one intercessor between God and us, and that's Jesus Christ. Verse 11 says, let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to do vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Which is kind of weird at first. You're okay, hey, if you're going to do wrong, just keep doing it. If you're going to sin, just keep doing it. If you're holy and righteous, just keep doing it. It's saying, if you've read all chapter, all 21 chapters... And after reading 21 chapters, you're still going to do your own thing, then just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and keep sinning. Go ahead and keep doing wrong. This is how one person paraphrased this. I love this. You wrongdoers, go ahead. Keep doing wrong. Just see what happens. And all you unclean sinners, keep rolling in the mud. Just ignore God's offering of cleansing. You've seen what is in store for you. As for you righteous and holy saints, keep practicing righteousness. Keep being holy, and you'll get your reward in due time. If you can read the book of Revelation and say, Neener, 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 I'm taking my chances. You'll, you're not a very smart man. That's what's taking place here. And he says, if this hasn't convinced you, nothing will. Nothing's going to convince you. So just keep doing your thing. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magical arts and the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Hey, his reward is with him. We've talked about that before. He is going to give us a reward because he keeps track of everything. He notes it all, and we will be rewarded for those acts of righteousness. Again, our sin, taken care of. We will not, we not have to deal with that because I was forgiven on the cross. And even when it talks about the dogs, verse 15, outside of the dogs, it's not literally they're outside dogs, and those people he lists there aren't outside because they've been judged there in the lake of fire. He's just saying this is a pure city, and this was reserved for because, and he makes this claim, I, Jesus, so there are five things that he makes. And in your notes, it's kind of a breakdown. He says, I'm coming quickly. Declarations. I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me. I am the Alpha and Omega. In the alphabet, in Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega, that's the beginning. Uh, that's the first letter and the last letter. This is what uh, John MacArthur says. An alphabet is an ingenious way to store and communicate knowledge. The 26 letters of the English alphabet arranged in almost endless 
combinations can hold and convey all knowledge. Christ is saying here that he is the supreme sovereign alphabet. That's why he says, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm all knowledge, all truth. He's the source of it. Number four in that five statements, he says, blessed are those who wash their robes, who've made that commitment because you get to drink, you get to eat of the tree of life. And when it says, I, Jesus, this is the only time this statement is ever made in the Bible. It's just like, hey, by the way, let me, me, Jesus, I'm putting my stamp. I'm putting my royal decree on this because I'm, I'm from David. I preceded David, and I'm from the line of David. I'm the king. I'm the bride and morning star. I'm the one you've been waiting for all this time. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come, that whoever is thirsty, let them come. You've seen a, 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 something going on. Come, the invitation, the divine invitation. Come, come, because he wants to give you a free gift. Let him take the free gift of the water of life. For a gift to be a gift, it has to be free. There's no strings attached. And so what you have here, again, we've been talking about that, the divine invitation and the divine paradox. Here's the divine invitation. God himself is saying, come. If you're thirsty, come. If you need help, come. The divine paradox is that God is continually trying to save those from his own wrath because the day is coming. I have this free gift. Don't pass it by. Verses 18, 19. I warn everyone who fears the words of this prophecy of this book. Now listen to what he says here. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from the book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Guys, there is a high price to pay for tampering with the Word of God. If you add two, that, that, that would be classified as legalism. See, legalism is taking the things of God and then making more things added on top of that. It, it becomes more strict than even God has become strict. I mean, some of you may have grew up in a house where no dancing, no, no, no movies, no, 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 no fun. Okay, because that is evil. You can't find that in the scriptures. I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it say don't dance. You know, can Christians dance? Some of them, and some of you don't dance very well. But it's not saying we can dance. It's not saying we can't go to movies. Now we got to be careful. We got to watch all those things to make sure our sinful nature doesn't take over there. But it, again, legalism is adding to, taking away from. That's liberalism. There's plenty of churches that they're basically treating God like a smorgasbord. I'm going to take this. Like, I like the fact that he forgets sins, but I don't like this whole judgment and hell thing. And they just do a smorgasbord approach to God. They take away from what the word of God says. Second Timothy 1, 13 through 14. Here's Paul writing to Timothy. What you have heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ alone. Now watch this. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Guard it. Protect it. Do that for yourself. Don't, don't add to. Don't take away. 
When you're telling people, don't add to, don't take away, give them the whole truth. And the last two verses say this. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. That's the third time I'm coming. Come, Lord Jesus. That's the word, come, Lord Jesus, is Maranatha. That's where we get that word. So first he's saying, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. This soon means sudden. Not to set your watch, not next week. It's going to be sudden. It's when we least expect it. It's going to be like a thief in the night. All those things we've talked about. But then it's not only him telling it, it's the church saying, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. We're supposed to be claiming that. We're supposed to be waiting, anticipating his coming. Are you? Because throughout the book of Revelation, those who are lonely and lost, he says, come. Those who are thirsty, he says, come and drink. Those who are hungry, come and eat. Those who are asleep, wake up. He says at the end of this, for the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Grace, best definition of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Now we've been saying this from the beginning. The book of Revelation is asking the question, will you be radiant and ready? Guys, I hope you enjoyed Revelation. I thoroughly have. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we got Easter coming, Palm Sunday, and Easter is going to be the main event. And so we encourage you to take time. We're going to have we're going to have little cards. We're going to have door hangers that you can hand out. We're going to have signs around. Let's get the word out because people get in, come to church because you invite them. So guys, God bless you. Have a fantastic day, and we'll see you next time.